Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the Young Grognar, kicking it to you live with the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Lords, and the quest. Salvation! Our party had a strange run-in of a doppelganger variety earlier as they are infiltrating the Hall of Silver, hoping to reclaim whatever is left down here as Norhill has been given strange bits and secrets of some sort of connection of himself to some sort of noble line, perhaps lordship. Who fucking knows? Probably not me. I'm just the dungeon master. But as the party come up to a tunnel way, hoping to find some way to get closer and closer to the heart of the Hall of Silver, the party seem to be stuck at an impasse with a strange rocky horde that have animated, come to life in some fashion, and now stand blocking the passage alongside a barricade of stone, looking eagerly down at the party, hoping for some sort of response. What does the party do? Guys, you think the gnome voice would work again? Not understand its talk. Does anybody? Um, Klika can either make it understand all of us or make one of us understand it. Um, I will also say you can roll an arcana check on this. Shroom. What about nature? 19. I'll give nature. Not happy about it, but give it uh, up. That, that's fine. The, we'll go with the 19 for Arcana from Klika. <laughs> Woo! We love it. Four, 14 nature. Okay. It's a rock. I mean, it's definitely an animated stone. It's probably from a different plane, and it's definitely an elemental. So, I mean, you know that much. Um, but with the 19 for Klika, these are the Galabdur that were mentioned before by that strange Nomi guy. Um, and what you know about them is typically they're summoned and bound to this plane from the earth realm. Uh, they themselves are loyal and they don't really have much of a good or evil to them. And instead they act as sort of like bouncers or guardians or something when given specific directions. And when created, they follow that one direction pretty much forever. So whatever that direction may be or whoever it may be given by might actually specify the allowance for other people to make a command to get through. So they're just like a very loyal kind of guard dog, but they're also very much so sentient and not like created. You know what I'm saying? They're just loyally bound. Zika lets the party know 
that we're dealing with. Um, so yeah, the Galabder, um, they might let us buy if we meet the right criteria, which is what the gnome was saying as well. Um, Norhill, I don't know if you want to shoot your shot. Or if you want me to juice you up with some magic beforehand. I'd at least like to be able to speak with them. You do know that they speak Terran, the language of the earth. So if you wanted to understand all languages, it would definitely work for this as well. Um, can Klika try and how far away is it from us? Uh, about 10 or so feet as you guys have moved up to the boundary here. And they just kind of sprang out of it. All right. I guess Klika first is just going to cast Mage Hand 10 feet away from it and just put the Mage Hand on its shoulder to see how it reacts to being having magic done near it. Okay. And I will say this much, many of these stones begin to animate as in like begin to move towards you guys in lurching slow movements as if preparing to start a rumble. Um, Klika is not going to try and touch the stone man, but Klika will cast um, some, some magic on you, Norhill, so you can speak with them. And then I will cast tongues on Norhill. So tongues, as I've heard it described, since apparently it was a little bit more complicated than I recall it. So he understands it, but he doesn't speak it, or he does understand and speak it. So this spell grants the creature you touch the ability to understand any spoken language it hears. So if I was able to cast it on the rock, it would understand all of us. But if I cast it on Norhill, it'll understand any spoken language he hears. Moreover, when the target speaks which would be Norhill in this case, any creature that knows at least one language can hear the target and understand what it says. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, as you touch Norhill on the shoulder and you see this giant boulderish rock pile begin to move towards you, all of a sudden the clicking and clacking and like grumblings and grindings of all the various stones in the mess become a battle cry. And it changes from being just the noises of stones falling and instead is just like the charging battle cry of these stony peoples. And they all start to yell out to protect the Hall of Silver. As soon as Norhill realizes he can understand their language, he's gonna step forward, uh, you know, nah, nah, no weapons in it. Bold kind guardians, we are not a threat. And with that, they come to a lurching stop and the Galabdur in the middle um, sort of retains its typical, almost ready to come charging in and rolling down on you guys' pose, and it grumbles back at you in the sound of almost like huge grinding teeth, and the thing just kind of grumbles and clicks and clacks back at you, and it just says in the sound of like stone snapping, it says in its grumbly voice, um, who are you to enter such a place as the Dwarvish Hall of Silver? I am Norhill Hammerstone of the Silver Spear. This is my home. And with that, they say, speak, um, speak. Uh, crap. You ever have one of those moments when you're running a game and you just have your brain decide to like vacate the premises real quick? Yeah. 
I'm not saying that that's happening and I'm totally not buying myself time before I say something very profound, but I will say the stone then decides to say something completely different. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I thought I was going to say friend. <laughs> yes. Friend and enter. Yeah. <laughs> friend and enter. Um, yeah. As the shield says, friend and enter. Like, <laughs> he may enter. So just frisbee the shield in there. But with that, they say, why have you left the safety of the hall? I was caught outside when the doors were shut. And they say, what is your business in the hall now, brother? I have come to liberate it from those who seek to desecrate it and its people. And with that, the stones all begin to kind of fall over and collapse as if like being lifted from some sort of animation spell. And the Galabdur turns like, like laboriously on his little feet like some hobbling beast and heads back towards the pile of stones and kind of gestures for you all to follow. Uh, yeah, Norhill will turn around and gesture to the rest of the party that it's okay before following the Galabdur. And it holds out its three-fingered little stony hand towards Norhill with a hand that could completely engulf your fist. As if gesturing for you to hold its hand. Oh, that's so cute! <laughs> and it seems to be waiting for you to link hands with everybody. Yeah, so Norhill will reach out and take its hand and then you know reach out to uh, take whoever's next in line. Okay. All right, fine. <laughs> and then one of the doppelgangers is just there like, <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. Oh, doppelgangers is like, hi, I'm Kleeka. Hi, I'm Kleeka. And the shield, Kleeka. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> How do I know which one is the real Kleeka? We're leaving them all here. <laughs> Let's go. They have chosen their fate. I'm Kleeka. I'm Kleeka. They are Kleeka. <laughs> and then they all cast mirror image. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Just, hi, we're Kleeka. <laughs> I don't know. We are Kleeka. Resistance is futile. Yeah, yeah. And the hive mind begins. Not again. Um, with that, uh, the entire party now holding hands go stepping into the stone pile, which now functions a bit more like water. As you guys feel the earth seem to dissipate around your forms and osmatically like slurping you into the stony mound while also pushing aside everything as if drifting through like kelp beds through the water. Thus that they give resistance and you have to kind of push them aside, but they drift through it almost as if they have no gravity to them whatsoever. And the whole party just seemed to slurp through here for about 30 seconds of climbing through dirt and in rocks and all this stuff. And you make it to the other side and all the dirt kind of dissipates and falls off you guys. Again, as if some sort of like weird liquid tension kind of releases the stones and the dirt from you guys. And you all pop through on the other side, not dirty in one bit, and see before you sort of another aged and decrepit pathway that continues farther up before coming to a large stone doorway. And with that, the Galabdur turns to Norhill and says, Master Hammerstone, good luck. And just turns again, hobbling as it does, and seems to slurp into the stone pit. That was very strange. <laughs> 
I also, I know this was last episode, but can we just address for a second that Anton was the first one to say this is not a place of mercy? <laughs> no, it's not. I, I feel no. like Anton's making the mistake of trying to be too goddamn generous all the goddamn time. I know, but it's still whole character, the cleric be the one to feel, not just the cleric, but like the cleric of like charity and generosity be like, no fucking mercy, kill him. The one oh, time yeah. Jarzak steps out of the room, the whole party just goes straight down the alignment chart to evil. <laughs> it turns out him watching Jarzak was what keeping all of us on the right path. Yeah, it's like scared straight. Y'all saw Jarzak slowly declining into the most putrid evil to the point that you're like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not Jarzak bad. I'm not talking to the deceiver for his third time and eating bugs. So anyway, let's behead the strange thing we don't understand. <laughs> Who's being a dick? Can <laughs> Wait, what? That's one of many reasons not to let that thing go. It showed oh, violence know. tendencies, and he doesn't want that sucker to go to the surface. No goddamn way. I, I, truly, I totally understand where you're coming from. I just thought it was funny that the way you said it, the way you pitched it, and being who you are. And it's not and like it's a recurring thing now in this campaign that you're like the most generous and warm and sunshiny. But when you're in like a bad mood or don't want to deal with the thing, Anton's just like has no patience. He is just fucking at the end of his rope with everybody. He's like, cut his head off. I don't give a shit. Kill him. And I'm like, Anton, are you feeling okay? Like a little blood sugar, arthritis. Fuck off. <laughs> like he's just eating his raisin brand and being mad about it. But anyway, the party at this point uh, are in what could be described as again, sort of a more refined district this looks like the decrepit aged tunnel system below uh the halls of like the nobility like i was saying before uh anthony and so these halls are um titled the hall of mithril the hall of iron the hall of steel and the hall of bronze uh each one of these is like its own sort of like neighborhood um from what you know of them since you lived sort of near them you know that these are sort of the hoity-toity neighborhoods Built similarly to the Gnomish one, but with greater high-rises and buildings and everything like that, it's a lot more of a well-assembled and geometrically sound system of buildings down here. But you guys appear to be like the backdoor emergency exit, historical exit to this place. And again, there are a couple of large stone doors at the top that sort of block your passageway up to there. But hearing that this is where it leads to, you know pretty decently well what's going on. All right, uh, this will be the, the lower entrances to some of the noble districts. And if the Draugr have wanted to take over any of the neighborhoods, it would be those. So prepare to meet our, not first now, but uh, prepare to meet our expected foes. So what would you guys like to do? Would you like to climb up and go ahead up to the uh, stony doors or? One second, I want to, I'm going to see if there's a... Uh, yes, Marvel would like to start heading towards the doors. Okay. And so with that, as you guys walk up to the doors, you can tell that they are kind of built a lot like the doors at Bolt's Crack Peak, that they seem to be a lot more capable of moving than they look, especially with how huge and stony they are. But seeing how they're built and seeing how they're like structured in here, they seem to glide very easily on greased and slicked polished marble floors. So pushing one of these open wouldn't be a hard time at all. 
Lika opens one of the doors. Okay. Let's not get the other one so that they're both open. Okay. And so with that, you slide these open, and before you, uh, looks to be almost like, uh, again, like kind of a back door ish kind of entrance. These aren't huge doors, but you can see that there are a couple of those high risey looking buildings I was talking about before. It's almost like, I would describe like, like a cartoonish version of like a New York City borough with like buildings stacked on buildings, but in a way that's so geometrically sound as if like somebody painstakingly described the Tetris effect of how best to accommodate people comfortably in one like metric, you know. So Legos. <laughs> I suppose, uh, but the the point being that this is sort of kind of a nice balance between hedonistic building designs and comfort, as well as utilitarianism and giving everybody a very equal share of a wealthy living out here. But as you guys pop through, you guys can hear echoing down the chambers and the halls, both to the left and the right, beyond this little alleyway that you guys are in. You can hear the sounds of clanking metal boots and like dozens of forms marching down the hallways, making absolutely no attempt to be quiet. And you guys can hear voices echoing and marching in what would appear to be a dwarfish dialect, but one that's very much so more guttural and aggressive. Norhill understands this very clearly as being the undercommon, you know, tongue. But beyond that, nobody else really seems to understand it. So what would you guys like to do? Uh, Ryan, you're muted. Norhill still has tongues on him for the next hour, so if, even oh. if he doesn't know Undercommon, he'll be able to understand it. Oh, sweet. So, understanding Undercommon, uh, you can tell very clearly that these are most certainly Duergar, just judging by the stature and the sounds of their voices. But beyond that, in the Undercommon tongue, they seem to be barking out about getting back to the mines and driving more of these slaves to work. They seem to be chanting and kind of jeering at each other as if leaving a post at a local tavern down here, which has been kept quote unquote running through their just pilfering of all the snacks and supplies that were down here left behind. So this just seems kind of like a swapping of the guard. But again, hearing the voices and hearing what they're actually saying, cognitively speaking, you can put together that there must be like 20 or 30 of them down here in this changing of the guard. And judging by the shape of this place and understanding what this district looks like, that's quite a lot of them. Before we head in, I tell the group, I'm like, in case we hit any scrap, I want to give everyone a little bit more, not really gumption, but a little bit more of a chance. And I cast aid on you three and each of your hit point maximums or current hit points in, and current hit points increases by five for the next eight hours. Ooh. Dang, that's a whole ass hit. Yeah. Nice. So, with that. That in the distance would be the Drugar. There are about 30 of them that I would say on this guard. They're headed towards the mines driving slaves. And hearing where they're walking towards and hearing them mentioned going to the mines, you know that the mines that are currently in most use are agreed upon amongst the coalition of dwarves to be underneath the atrium of the flame, which is in the center of the two mountains. You guys are very much so not in the center where you're standing. And so the mines that they must be referring to 
are actually the mines below the Hall of Silver itself. So that's not only strange for the sake of like, those mines aren't in use because, you know, it's all run dry, but they're heading in the wrong way to be going to the mines that are most fruitful and in use. So they're headed what sounds to be in the direction of old useless mines. But wait, hold on. That doesn't make any sense. They're walking the wrong way. And all of the mines beneath the Silver Hall are played out. They haven't been used for years. Maybe they're looking for something that wasn't normally seen. Maybe something. they just like to hit rocks. Dingo. Damn it, she guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're just lost. It could also be that they're not mining, they're queer, they're quarrying. Uh, they, they just need the stove. I mean, knowing the Duergar, it's pretty unlikely that they're quote unquote like out of resources. If they're looking to gather resources right now, it's just so that they can like extort prices and charge other people of the Underdark and other markets for what they're getting basically for free with slave labor. So the fact that they're going to a dried up area, it's very strange, you know? There, there's no way that they'd be going to this effort for nothing that they could sell. Hmm. Perhaps we ought to find uh, where the slaves were. If anybody knows what they're supposed to be looking for, it's going to be one of the miners. So do we wanna try and follow them to these mines? Or would you like to move closer into these districts and try to maybe investigate where they're all hanging out? There are too many of them for us to follow into the mines. Let's search the district first. I will say again that it sounds like because it's sort of a changing of the guard or a rotation, that it seems like this is sort of like, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Shaking up the room. So it seems like the most action and people are about right now. So that in like the next 25 minutes, half an hour, it'll probably all come to settle again. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so first things first, uh, lean low. There's going to be the most of them right now. Um, uh, and Neville's going to, you know, just uh, you know, look you know, back and forth real quick, see if there's a building nearby that doesn't seem to be in active use, or at least isn't being lived in by Durgar. Okay. And so with that, as you peek out the alleyway and like, you know, go the 30 feet up the alleyway and peek around the corner, you can see that you are in one of the smaller of the districts over here, but you can see that one of the larger buildings that sits by itself and seems to be well out of use is an actual temple to Moradin. It's not a large temple as it's more modest, um, but you can definitely tell that it's a building that's not in much use right now. Okay, uh, does the way look clear? Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so Norhill's going to go back to the party and say, okay, there, there's a temple just a little ways over that. It doesn't look like they're going to be in there. So uh, yeah, follow, gonna... follow me and keep low. Anton's going to turn out his light and just grab someone's arm. Uh, okay. And so that the... Lika got on all fours when he said get low, so... She, she's she's comp- walking across the street. <laughs> it's more like possessed girl walking, like you know, know. one of those. Just like 
on all fours, very low to the ground, but like very much walking on hand and foot still. I love feral children. Yeah. <laughs> Our heroes, everybody. The child of destiny. Well underway to a horror movie near you. Um, okay, and so with that, the party skitter down the uh, passageway here. And as you go to cross the clearing, pass an alleyway to get towards the temple, can you roll a perception check real quick? Two. One. Oh. Okay. Got a two on the die. Twelve. Is that twelve? Yes. Twelve. All right, so Jarzak and Anton can tell meandering down the alleyway across from the temple that there are a couple of drunken Dorgar who seem to be just like slacking and like moving loud and noisily. It seems like they must have just like come to a stop or a pause or something like that and kind of like done a half snooze. And as you guys go skittering to run towards the temple, there's a moment when you make it the halfway point between the temple and the clearing from the alleyway. There's like a good 50 foot expanse here. You guys make it 25 feet through when Anton and Jarzak in the, the peripheral vision see these two Duergar like standing up in the outer section of the alleyway. Which, okay, I guess Anton doesn't see it. Anton just hears it. Here's a boot. And then Jarzak sees it. And you guys have like a like a split second of like <gasps> What would you like to do? So are they looking in our direction? They're facing your direction. Whether or not they've seen you yet is a different question. From your peripheral... He freezes freezes like a deer when he hears that. They seem to be like 50 or 60 or so feet away. That's a good move, because then they can't roll inside on you. (laughs) (laughs) Freezes, yeah. If I'm not by Click is uh, currently immune to insight right now as well. So with that, what do you guys do? Is there a hiding spot nearby or someplace where we can take cover? Click and Norhill have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Jarzak's gonna be like, uh, are there any rocks on the ground? Guys, I think we've been spotted. I think we need to throw something in this tractor. Are they armored? Um, from, well, hold on. I mean, what they can tell from the peripheral vision that they get this like snap two second of like, <gasps> and then like have a moment of like, fuck, where do I go? Uh, they do seem to be fully armed and armored, which is pretty standard for Dorgar. But yeah, so if you guys would like to, you can stand here and get a better look at them, or you can make a snap judgment of what to do. Uh, I'm going to cast darkness over us. Okay. And so as you cast darkness over the whole party, you can hear as everybody comes to like a dead stop in the darkness, or I guess Jarzak standing in the front cast it, puts his arms up. Is there a verbal component to that? We just use subtle spell real quick. Just I don't have to shout it. <laughs> just say it. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so with that, you go ahead and you just let out an utterance of something infernal, and all of a sudden you guys are blanketed in absolute darkness, and you stand there, kind of arm spread T-posing so that the rest of the party stops behind you like, what the heck? And you guys can hear down that alleyway about 50, 60 feet, you guys can hear like, 
did you hear that? Did you see that? Or at least Norhill's the only one who understands. And here's them and, yell out and they say, there's something over there. Let's go quick. Yeah. And cause we, so we made it about halfway you said, right. So I'd like to position it to cover the other half and like we're on just the edge and then the other edge essentially will lead out to where we want to be. And I will grab everyone's hands and lead them to the, <laughs> to where we need yeah, to go. Yeah, Norhill will whisper, they're coming from the best. Okay. And so with that, the whole party hurry off in pitch black darkness to the face of the temple, up to the temple doors, which are just outside the mouth of the darkness. Would you like to open the doors quietly? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, definitely such quietly. a funny response. Yes, please. Well, who's going to do it is my question. I'm going to do it. The quiet what? door no, opening person. Like Whoever, Whoever can open doors quietest, Dan. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it might actually not be good for Anton to do because I already can't see in the dark. And now I'm in yeah, super I dark. Doors so, yeah. the first in line, so he'd be the first one to the doors. As everybody stops quietly in front of the door, like, quick, open the door. Anton's like, I'll get it. And just like, ow, quick. Are, <laughs> are we still in the darkness? Or we're just out middle. of it? Like, that's my nipple. Nipple. Like, shh, not now. <laughs> so are we still in the magical darkness or did we just step out of it? You guys, that's your hand will reach out of it. Okay. Then I will essentially put Norhill outside of the magical darkness with the others and just be like, I'll stay in here to kind of keep watch. You're sure then Norhill will try to open the door quietly. He's definitely not the person who should be doing it, but he's the person who's gonna. He's okay. probably better doing it than Jarzak is. So, so with that, you have a positive dexterity modifier. Oh, shit. With a with a prayer to the gods of the dwarf. I mean, yes, is this zero positive, though? Could <laughs> Klinka give the help action on opening a door quietly? I mean, I'll give you it. I think Klika's the only one who would have been good to do this. <laughs> Did you just roll like a one and a four? I rolled a six twice. <laughs> if you roll one more six, I'll give it to you. <laughs> Go for it. You know what? I got a five chance. Risk it for the biscuit. For a second. For a split second. No, it's a nine. Uh... <laughs> turn the dice around turn it around you're fine it's a six the door laboriously creaks open a little bit and inside you see a very bare bones dwarvish temple dedicated to moradin um the pedestal up here is a gold wreathed and silver kind of coated slab of an anvil and standing behind it is a very much so regal looking dwarvish figure uh, again, wreathed in silver and gold, but a marble base overall. And it just kind of stands there watching over the anvil. Um, there are a couple of small kneeling benches in this chamber that lead up to it. But overall, it's one single room of a temple, and it's probably about 40 feet deep and about 30 feet wide at the widest. It looks like there's a couple of small chambers to the side with maybe some holy you know, relics and whatnot in it. But apart from that, it's a very simple temple. Uh, Norhill is going to whisper out through the crack in the door as he steps inside. Jarja, hurry up. I'm going to bar the door. 
I'll give Jarzak like two rounds. He goes scuttles inside. Anton, I mean, there were only two of them coming, right? Uh, Jarzak just responds, "Yeah, that's a good idea." Dude. Have them bar the doors. Yeah. We get in some one v two right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> in in shrouded in magical darkness. Hell yeah. Well, with that, the two Duergar come walking over and take a step into that magical darkness for just a split second. And they seem to both hiccup and like step back, immediately noticing something awry here. And one of them barks out and he yells, Drow! Drow magics! Drow magic! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> blasting an Eldritch blast out at him. Jarzak understands not one lick of this, and instead Norhill understands it as he hears it echoing down the chambers throughout the whole stonework cavern here. And yeah, he's just yelling out drow magics. And so with that, he's a drow. Norhill has to take a hard, long look at his life when the people he runs with get mistaken for drow. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. <laughs> they, they, they think I'm a drow or the ginger have taken over my home. Or the I fact that you enemy. heard an elf for two days. Yeah, I was an elf for a while. Hey, at least it's not one of those uh, freaking underground crazy ones. That's true. So let's go ahead and roll for initiative for the whole party. Can I get that Eldritch Blast blast off too? That I said. I'll count it. I'll count it as a surprise round. Yeah, as soon as they started shouting, like pretty much as soon as they dipped into it, I wanted to just get them. So I got an eight on the initiative. Okay. Anybody get lower than a five? Yeah. Okay. So Norhill and the Duergar come in the tail end. Who's got the highest? Seventeen. 17? Anybody? And beat? then it's going to be me with a 9 and Jarzak with a 6. Oof. Okay. So... It's no, no. What am I going to do? Anton, Klika, <laughs> Jarzak, myself. Dispel the darkness. Cast <laughs> <No. laughs> yes, yes, daylight. Quick, Anton. Bless this temple. <laughs> sunlight sensitivity will sure fuck with those guys pretty hard. It will. will. Um... You know what? Maybe I should actually do. Yeah, I think. Well, it's a it's a surprise round, so Jarzak technically gets to go ahead and fire off, and then it'll be you. Yeah, and that's an advantage because it's surprise. Yes, sir. Well, and they can't see because I'm in darkness. Show me what you've got. A uh, sixteen to hit. That is good. That's going to be four damage. Okay. And then a 22 to hit. Okay. This is going to be two damage. Fucking Eldritch Blast. Is that aimed at one of them in particular? or uh, whatever, Whichever one was hooting and hollering. All right, we'll say one of them's got a braided beard and one's got a messy beard. So we'll say you went for Braden. All right. Uh, and then the I'm going to... The Brady move, bunch. I'll move a little closer and ready my axe. Okay. Uh, so next is Anton. Um, 
I'm just going to cast Secret Flame. Uh, you are behind a closed door. Oh, so I can't do anything. Um, that's... Yeah, and I think at that point, Anton is just going to cast light on his shield because he's not dealing with the star vision. Well, the light of the spell won't penetrate the magical darkness. Yeah, you'd have to do at least daylight. I have to do daylight to dispel darkness. Yeah, and then it just completely removes it. (laughs) I mean, you got the benefit you needed from it. For now. I still have benefits from just hiding <laughs> in it. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I mean, I could also do Radiance of the Dawn. I was like wondering if that might be a little bit better to do. I mean, I'm just saying daylight will give them penalties. Because they have sunlight sensitivity, they're going to have disadvantage on all attack rolls and sight-based checks while within daylight. Oh, okay. You've heard been quite a campaign sacred maneuver, so nobody's ever tested it with daylight. But I'm like, this is probably the one and only time where it's like, hit him with that wombo combo. It's like, oh god, the the drow learned how to harness the sun. Just, just <laughs> hold, hold your action. Just hold your action till after my action. What? Okay, <laughs> Ronnie, do whatever you want. Mm, I think I'd rather do where's my why do i keep messing up this page because at least daylight everyone else could help but i'm the only one who can actually work in the darkness so i will say i wanted to just do radiance of the dawn from channel divinity because that could dispel the magical darkness and it will damage them oh okay yeah but then they'll yeah they won't have disadvantage anymore though Right. I was going to say, because my other point is that you can't target them while they're in the magical darkness because you can't see them. But if it's just an area effect, then that's fine. Yeah, it just says uh, I can use it. Dispel darkness within 30 feet. Each hostile creature doesn't have total cover within 30 feet. Must take a con saving throw. Good luck, Jarzak. All right, so let's go ahead and roll them con saving throws. Anton just kind of like Grumbles, pulls out the lantern, like swings open the doors and yells out and dispels the darkness and everyone must throw a con saving throw of a DC 14. I got a four and a two. Vanquished is horrible, mate. All right, what do you got for damage? Let's go, monkey butt. I just this like blast of light just comes from behind Jarzak and all of a sudden this darkness goes away and they see this orc like 10 feet away from them with this big axe uh, out. <laughs> I got 11 points of damage. Okay, so the one with the braids just dies from radiant damage, sundering him and cindering him. Uh, and the other one looks heartily wounded. Yikes. Uh, I didn't think it was going to die. <laughs> Well, does does Jarzak also have the spooky shield out? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that thing also perks up in the light. That's got to be terrifying, too, to all of a sudden have all the darkness blast away and have, like, the shield walking in front of Jarzak and have it be a spooky face just like... Blah, 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 like oh, God. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, was that it for you? Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Okay. All right, so in that case, now it goes to Klika. 
Uh, Clicker will close the distance on the nappy dwarf or whatever it was. Okay. The un unbraided one. Yep. And give him the old stabby stab with flicker. Okay. Gonna be doing booming blade on this. Roger, roger. Now I will say as the other one died and the bright energy goes off uh, from Anton's move there, these guys just continue to yell out drow magics in the uh, door and the undercommon tongue and it seems like it's echoing down the chamber. 18 hits, right? Yes, sir. Um, plus... 14 damage. Okay. That's kill. And the messy one dies as he continues to yell. And he's like, it's not drow. It's something worse. And with that, can I get a perception check from the parte? Standing there before the Temple of Moradin. Some people still in it, I suppose. Zero. Ten. Five. And you said sixteen? Yeah, I did. I said sixteen. And then Jarzak got an eleven. Ten? Ten. So you two can hear down the uh, chamber, down the hallway, where the changing of the guard was going on. You can hear the rabble rousing and the sounds of clanking metal as if a group, a small battalion, may be coming this way, hurrying their boots as they do. It sounds like you've got at least 10 rounds before they show up. What would you like to do? Uh, Norhill is going to drag the two now dead Draugr inside. And is there, is there a bar or a lock on the front doors to the temple? I mean, you could lock it, yeah. yeah so Are there pews in the temple? There's a couple of kneeling pads in here. Like very short ottomans, I guess would be the way I describe it. Are there any windows on the ground floor? No. Okay. Uh, was there an upper floor? Nope. Okay. The ceiling arch is up to about 15 feet. But that's about it. Okay. Well, if they're going to come in, they'll only be able to come in through that. Hopefully, they won't be able to pinpoint exactly where the fighting took place. Uh, and you know, you, you sort of looks over his shoulder at the big statue of Morden. Morden will. Morden's like, hey, don't put that shit on me. I'm a fucking statue. The shield's like, because it's tight. So anyway, um, what's everybody else doing for the 10 rounds? Braiding the uh, the dead Dwarger's beard. Because his father is Klico that he didn't clean himself up. Klico! Like, it's like, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> Do any of the buildings around the church have like a second floor with a window? Yeah, plenty of them seem to arch up to about second and third floors. Uh, can I go into one that has a third floor that has a window facing the church? Sure. Did you want to, um, so you're going to split the party to do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let them know. That, I figured um, they would notice as you go to latch the door shut and Jarzak's running the other way to climb into a building. Guys, I'm going to try and get a good vantage point. Just maybe Anton take some just, of the heat off just in case. Anton just gives a thumbs up in the direction he's hearing it. No more lights again. Well, yeah, the, the good thing about um, 
the, the, this temple here is that there, there are no windows. <laughs> so as long as you stay away from the doors, uh, you can have uh, some light. Just go to the far corner and cast light on something. Oh. <laughs> a little candle. Just, Just cast it on the Morden statue. Turn him into a little disco ball with all that gold and silver. Get some funky beats. So and then we can just dance it out. He'll just he'll just mumble into the lantern and give off a very soft light. Yeah, I don't know why you haven't pumped daylight out of this sucker. But um, I I I I'm just trying to be more. Do you got, how many do you, spells I actually have? Well, don't forget that the lantern allows you to do daylight once per day for freezies. All right. I get mixed up now because now I have it as a third level spell too. Okay. But yeah, that's why do I've you, always been like, I don't know. But anyway, do you guys want Klika to stay in here or do you want Klika to go with Jarzak and maybe give him cover on like the first floor? She'll, uh, Klika will just hide somewhere. And if they start, if she hears Jarzak blasting off, she'll get ready for Droger to come into the building and she can get the drop on him. It'll be safer to have more people in one place. Okay. Click will we'll hold the fort down here, too. Okay. And so by the time Jarzak rushes into the Dwarvish home and sees that this place is in much greater repair than what had been the case for the other, you know, places you saw in the Gnomish district, the this place itself, even though it's nice and it's got nice furniture... It seems like somebody's already gone through this place looking for all the wealth and all the valuables that could be taken and pilfered and leaving behind like cloth and tapestry. It's very much so like a functional home at this point. All the niceties have been taken, but you managed to get all the way up to the third floor and look out from one of the bedroom windows directly over the street, right over the temple. And you can see very clearly like the whole courtyard in front of it, leaving sort of like a 50 by 50 square of space in front of the temple that's kind of like vacant in front of the house as well. And again, these houses are all pretty much stacked on top of each other. So you're very much so a sniper right now. And it seems nobody would know you went up there. By the time you make it up to that third floor and the time that the doors are all closed off and everything, you can very clearly hear that battalion of about 10 dwarves, the Dwargar come blumbering down this pathway here and end up in that 50 foot by 50 foot section. And they all stop and start to kind of rabble amongst themselves and under common. And it seems like, one of them quickly, quickly points out on the ground a pile of what looks to be like blood or refuse left behind from one of them dying. And they immediately port towards the temple and start to yell out about something dwarves and Moradin. Moradin definitely pe- perks up in Jarzak's ear, but everything else is a bunch of gibberish. And so with that, the 10 dwarves immediately go straight up to the doorway. And you can see a trio of dwarves in the front immediately grow to twice their size and dimensions to a freakish height and strength and just start beating on that door like they're going to rip the doors off the hinges. So uh, what would you guys like to do now? Top of the initiative is Klika. I mean, I'm sorry, is uh, Anton. Yeah, Anton. <laughs> Unless Jarzak wants to do it because there's the sneak attack, but I hadn't really heard an action coming from you, so unless you had something. Uh, no, I kind of, kind of wanted to do something before they got there, but they, they're already here, so. Oh, what were you going to do? Uh, I was going to recast Darkness, because I'm alone, on essentially to cover the, like, 
lower floors of this building and a little bit of me. So, like, essentially, if they get to the second floor, they're just in magic darkness, and the third is magic darkness. Yeah, I mean, we can just say you did that on passive. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, like, okay. okay. Cool. So then, Anton, you've got initiative. You can hear them already start retching at Anton the- tells the group, he's like, once that door breaks open, I'm casting daylight, and we get out of here. Use that chance. Can Norhill tell about how many are going to be there? Um, from what you guys had, from what you had heard before, it sounded like 10 or so coming this way. You'd have a hard time fleeing through 10. Especially because the doorway here is pretty tight. It'll be a hard time fighting through 10. So, so uh, about how many could stand in the doorway? Probably two or three. Two or three only. Uh, and uh, I guess Norhill is going to be standing right in front of the door to you know hold the bottleneck. Kleek is gonna go next to Norhill and just sort of like start tugging him back. Um, maybe we should wait, and then once the door breaks down, Anton can let loose with one of those big balls of fire, and then we'll rush in to close the gap. That's probably a better plan. Norhill's going to back up. <laughs> Just bangs up. Fire, fireball might be terrifying. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, yeah, I totally have that prepared right now. I definitely have that ready. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Anyway. Well, can you? I can, but it, it, it's a little bit different shooting light at something rather than fire. Remember, the fireball is pea-sized until it makes contact. So you could pick a target in the back. I, Klika doesn't think we're gonna. Once the door opens. Yeah, Klika doesn't think we're gonna be able to just run away from this. So. All right. And Anton's gonna throw a fireball and open the goddamn fist. (laughs) Holds up the lantern. I also love that Jarzak's waiting in the window with his finger ready and sniping. Meanwhile, the shield's just like kill them all and like quiet and then the doors fling open and it's just a nuke just blows up (laughs) so are are you casting it like before they break the door down or no when i when i get an eye on them okay so you're preparing your action for when the door opens up to lob it out yeah yeah and clica wants to prepare her action to after the fireball hits them to close the distance and Hold the line at the front of the door. Damn. Okay. Jarzak's gonna blast the one front and center. Before the door opens up, or you figure? Yes. Because I don't know that they're casting fireball in there. (laughs) That's a 24 to hit. Okay. And. A 22 to hit. Damn. Okay. Go ahead and roll the damages. Uh, three and six. So nine damage. Damn. Okay. And so with that, um, one of the big ones in the front, you said? Yep. One of the center. gigantic ones that's trying to peel the doors wide open. You shoot a couple of Eldritch Blasts down from the window and torch that guy in the back. And he seems to like bump up against the door. And he immediately turns back and they start to grunt and yell amongst themselves. And you guys on the inside, tight and tense, ready for this door to fling open, can hear on the other side in muted voices. Roll a perception check. 
four. 17. 21. Oh, wait. Only he speaks under common. Never mind. So you guys hear muted voices as there seems to be amongst the growling some sort of a shift, and you hear the clinking of boots as if they seem to be shifting positions outside. And Jarzak, you can see after shooting the uh, the Eldritch Blast down there that a trio seem to be breaking off from the line in the middle rank and start to head over towards where you are. But as that starts to take place and the doors start to swing open as the big strong guys tear it off with ease as if the doors weren't metal as if the doors were just made of like cardboard or something. The doors fling off as you guys inside can see a trio of gigantic Durgar, big enough that not one of them could fit comfortably through the door. And they all start to like, kind of like pull themselves in fighting to get inside and take care of business. And as the three of them seem to be squeezing and fighting to get inside, uh, a fireball goes flying through <laughs> in between them as the door flings open, the lantern light is held up, and a single bead of pure light goes zinging through the ranks of them, and you see that one <laughs> just meet one of the three that's turning away to go run to the apartment building there, and as that light meets that guy's body, uh, I'm going to make 10 dexterity saving throws. What's the number I gotta make? Uh, 14. I'm sure I'll be fine. With my plus zero bonus. All right, who wants to hear the sound of 10 D20s? Go. Um, only one of them passed, and that was with a crit. So I got nine of them below 14. I got two 13s, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, one of them passed with bright and shining colors. Ironically, the guy who had the laser bead on his head, he turned because he, he had his, his shoe was untied, so he leaned over and <laughs> the damage that I'm applying to all so of them. So I got 31 total damage. Literally every single one of them is incinerated and killed, even the one who saved. The fireball erupts in a torrent of deadly cindering flames and just yeah, Anton falls back. He doesn't like the smell. <laughs> it's too much for him. I mean, well, the certainly do it. And so, with just an explosion of blinding white light, goes off in the ranks of all of them, and they just like explode in different directions. <laughs> clothing burning, the smell of all the burned flesh and everything filling the air very quickly. As this bomb goes off down here in the back alley by the temple, uh, it seems Sika rushes in to close the gap. <laughs> uh, it seems like you may have rung some sort of a dinger bell for attention at, at this point but it seems like you may have cleared off half the guard that exists down here in total in this one move so with that what would you guys like to do we have to run from now. the this third floor can i see the guard station because I um, imagine it's higher than some of the buildings. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that you can turn and kind of peek to see the very end of the hallway where these guys came from. It doesn't seem like anybody else is coming from that way at all. Okay. Well, I guess it's time to relocate. There's no way we're going to be able to hide much. And so as the party begins to get a fucking move on and run out of here. Can you believe that, though? The Duergar are like, let's go kick some drill butt, and just fling the door open, and it's a fireball waiting for him. <laughs> that doesn't prove that it's, it's like a bomb. Drill, yeah, it could have been a drill fireball. We don't know. Turns I just bummed crazy. out. It did absolutely nothing to, like, the Herald of Steel. That should do, that should do more to scare you than anything. But... 
With that in mind, the party began to rush off. And as you guys go running down that hallway, Jarzak stuck up on the third floor, uh, being chronically afraid of stairs that go down. Um, what what's a, what's Jarzak's plan? Is he just gonna try to speed after him? Guys, these are downstairs. Guys, guys. <laughs> uh, we can just hide in this building. <laughs> we can just keep going up. <laughs> it's pretty safe up here. So with that, uh, I imagine Jarzak rejoins the party as they're heading off. Yeah, I'll rejoin them and just turn to Kleeka and be like, Hey, Kleeka, you remember that one when they're like, Oh, no, it's much worse than Drow. Was that because they saw you or me? Because they saw Anton. (laughs) (laughs) We've heard of mercy in the mountain. <laughs> if, if you don't get a move on and cut the chatter, then you can ask them when they find it. All right, Norhill. I mean, we're going to have to deal with them all anyway. You don't really want them living in your homes, do you? I hadn't planned on taking the whole halls by myself or with, you know, just the. Uh, there's four of us. You're not by yourself. That's a really sentimental moment for a group standing in front of a dozen dead, smoldering bodies. <laughs> Apparently, we can handle it. Anton's <laughs> still shell-shocked from his own actions. <laughs> just like Jarzak just does like the, the point and stare at Anton. Got him. <laughs> the shield is like, damn. It's just like, we need to get out of here. The point is, there's a lot more where that came from. Uh, and so Norhill is just looking out for like, you know, the first place that's going to be kind of defensible and also not like, oh yeah, they definitely went over there from the, uh, from the temple. So where's the plan for you guys to head towards now? Were you he- planning on heading towards the mines? Did you want to go to the Atrium of the Flame? This is kind of a good in-between spot to pick from different locations. So which of those places would you like to go to? Again, the hints that you heard from the doppelganger lead you to believe that the Atrium of the Flame, sort of the mall that connects both the Halls of Silver and Steel, apparently something horrible had happened there. What it is, is hard to tell, but you guys can tell that um, that those mines that they mentioned before seem to be where the slaves are being driven. The dream that Norhill had, it ended in the Atrium of the Flame, didn't it? It sure did. We should head towards the atrium of the flame. If there's any remaining resistance, we'll find it there. Fair enough. And as the party begin to head their way towards the meeting place, the coalition of the dwarven halls, that is where we're going to end the game. Hey, everybody. It's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dangerous. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>